0: This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. If you want to grab your Bibles or devices, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 this morning. I'll give you just a minute to grab those. But we'll be in, again, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 to 35. Uh, and it reads this, it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence, and he will keep your foot from being caught." Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord but the upright are his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of righteousness, of the righteous. Towards the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let's, let's look to the Lord uh, before,
1: uh, before we get started in his word. Father, we we are grateful uh, for this uh, opportunity, once again, that we can gather together. Uh, Lord, we pray that as we we consider your words to us through uh, Solomon and the book of Proverbs, uh, we pray that, Lord, you would impart the wisdom that we need. Thank you for the wisdom incarnate, which is Christ. Thank you that when we have Christ in our heart, we have wisdom at our hand. And so we pray that we would walk in the way of life. Thank you that we have that great example as well of of how Christ walked in wisdom. And thank you for how he died for our folly. We pray that we would be instructed that he would be glorified help us we pray in jesus name we ask amen all right so i hope you're in proverbs 3 we're, we're going to we're going to tackle a uh, a couple a couple questions this morning and or i should say a couple a couple letters this morning you may have noticed that the the my son got repeated a couple times in the reading. And there's two things we're gonna look at. My son, let the Lord be your corrector. And my son, let the Lord be your confidence. We'll look at the topic of the Lord's discipline and what it looks like to have the Lord as your confidence. The two really go hand in hand because the one who can properly deal with the Lord's discipline will be able to have the Lord as their confidence. We we don't often handle discipline well, and and we also don't handle having our confidence in anything other than ourselves. But let's start with the Lord's discipline as the next path toward a life of wisdom. Verse 11 my son do not despise the lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof All right so there's the exhortation and we immediately see our reaction to the lord's discipline here don't we we don't like it we don't like it we we either get angry or we give up those are our two tendencies and you have probably experienced those feelings if you have been disciplined it's not a pleasant experience the truth is the lord disciplines us for a couple reasons one is to help us get rid of the sin we refuse to let go of he gets our attention that in in whatever way he decides and the second is to mature us in our faith. That, that second one is not something we often think about when we think of the Lord's discipline, but that's because we only tend to think of discipline as a form of correction. Discipline is also like exercise, right? Exercise is a discipline. It it disciplines our bodies to be be stronger and healthier. God does that to our faith. So if you're going through a trial right now, it may not be because you are living in unrepentant sin. It may be the Lord just exercising your faith. But it's the reason behind the Lord's discipline that we must focus in on, in verse 12. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. And if we're experiencing God's hand of correction to to change us, or uh, take us away from the sin we're entangled in, or perhaps we're just being put in God's gym to grow. We need to remember that we've been put there out of a love and delight that God has for us. He's not angry and saying, I'm just tired of you. Like Why why are you still sinning in, in this way? Or but your face should be a lot stronger by now. That's, that's not his motivation. His motivation is his love for us. He, he loves us too much to leave us in the state we are in. That is why for us, the cross of Christ has to be remembered especially during times of discipline, if we're to remember that it's out of love. Because it was there on the cross that God's great love was shown to us as Jesus suffered and died for our rebellion toward God and our wrongdoing toward others. No greater love has ever been demonstrated than on the cross. And those who believe and follow him are the beneficiaries of his love. And that makes all the difference. That is the only thing that can turn our perspective around when we feel God's heavy hand upon us. It's heavy with his love. It's only in the shadow of the cross that we remember that that God's hand may feel heavy right now, but it will never, ever crush us. It will only refine us and make us stronger and draw us nearer to him. So it's really a blessing. This loving discipline from God is a blessing to us as through it, we find wisdom and gain understanding as verse 13 states. Right, that's, that's where the lesson begins in this poem. The Lord's discipline is a blessing and it brings wisdom and understanding and that is valuable. So hold on to it. Don't just try to cast it off, but lean into what God is doing in the hard moments of life. There is blessing there. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, verse 13 tells us. and verse 18, blessed are those who hold her fast. Lady, wisdom is described between those verses, 13 to 18 that are sandwiched between the word blessing. She she is valuable, more valuable than anything else we might desire. She's life-giving. She's described as the tree of life. The tree of life's only mentioned three places in the Bible, at the very beginning, at the very end, and right here. She's life-giving. God's discipline toward us is a blessing, but we will be tempted to not see it that way. It is life-giving, but we will perceive it as life-taking. Go against your natural thoughts and inclinations when it comes to the Lord correcting you or exercising your faith. The conclusion to the poem is of further help in verses 19 and 20. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. If the Lord used wisdom to create and sustain the world, Imagine what we could do having this wisdom imparted to us through his discipline. This is is a greater to lesser type of conclusion. If, If God used his wisdom to do this incredible act of creation that produced something very good, then surely the wisdom that we gain by his discipline in our lives can produce something good, or very good as well. But there's a second side to this conclusion. When it comes to God's discipline, it's about trust. We don't understand why God made everything like he did on this earth. But we just trust he had his purposes. And that's why when When Jesus tells us that we shouldn't worry, he says we should consider the birds and how God feeds them, even though they don't have any kind of retirement plan or storehouses. Trust God, he knows what he's doing. I remember when the Lord put me on my back, literally, 17 years ago, it was painful. I would not wish it on myself or anybody else. But because the Lord loves me and delights in me, He used that time to get my attention back toward the path He wanted me on. I have to deduce it's probably a reason why I'm right here before you today. God knows what he's doing. You may not know why you are going through something right now, but trust God. He knows. He's up to something. Trust him. And you know what also helps when we think of us as the church family? When when we're going through something hard, it is often others who see how the Lord is working before we do. And so with sensitivity, and I, I underscore that, with sensitivity, encourage one another with what you see. All right, don't, don't be like Job's companions. Have sensitivity. Know when to be silent, but know when to speak a word of encouragement of what you see the Lord may be doing. All right, let's go on to the second poem. This takes a step further than just trusting that God knows what he's doing. This is acting in a way that proves that. Right, let the Lord be your confidence. The reality is that for those who trust Christ, we are safe and secure in the Lord and in following His ways. But sometimes, we don't feel feel that way. And we do things that show our confidence is in other things. Look, Look what happens when we walk in God's wisdom, verses 23 and 24. Then when you walk on your way, sorry, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. And our way is secure as we navigate life. We won't be afraid to lie down. When we walk in God's wisdom. Right? That's when you lie down, that's when you're the most vulnerable. That's when you have to just trust God that nothing's gonna happen, that you're gonna you're gonna get up in the morning. It's only when we walk in God's wisdom that our sleep will be sweet. We'll be able to rest soundly when our confidence is is primarily in God. The lesson of the poem is in verses 25 to 32, and it's filled with do-nots. Just just scan it in your, in your Bible. You can probably see all those do-nots. These are important because they identify things that shake our confidence in God. And, and I've boiled them down to three fears. Three fears that shake our confidence in God that we have to watch out for as we walk the path of wisdom. Verse 25. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. All right, this is the fear that God is not big enough the fear that God is not big enough, right? When unexpected stuff happens, it scares us. Even if it doesn't happen to us, it's, it scares us. I remember when, remember when the pandemic came, it, it, was, it was unexpected, right? It, it, it frightened many of us to different levels. It, it took center stage in the world It was always before us every moment of the day in various forms. Anything big and unexpected can get to our thinking. Loss of a job. Illness. National disaster. A crime wave. Anything. When stuff like this does come, it takes our thinking off of God and onto that sudden terror, and we become fearful. God, all of a sudden, becomes small in our eyes. We need to remember a couple of things when this happens. First, God is bigger than these unexpected terrors. And secondly, God is not surprised by these unexpected terrors. Nothing is unexpected with God. Now, that doesn't mean we don't take precautions if if able, right? If there's a crime wave, you know, it doesn't mean we don't secure our home. But it does mean that we don't let it take center stage in our life because only God deserves center stage. You know, God is so big that he was able to provide a way for the consequences of your evil to be washed away completely through the sacrifice of Jesus. Our our sin is our biggest problem. because it separates us from God. And if God is big enough to solve that problem, we can trust him with any sudden terror that comes our way. Here's the second fear. It's found in verses 27 to 29. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. All of these have to do with our interactions with with neighbors. And a neighbor is just someone we have relation with. And so this here is the fear that God is not generous. The fear that God is not generous. Let's think about these. The first one says in verse 27, that if you have the power to help someone out, help them out. The second one says not to delay in helping someone if you have the means at that moment. The third one says, a little more tricky, but it says to protect one another. You see, we, we often look for things to be offended by, and that's the same thing as planning evil against someone. All of these things come from a fear that God is not generous. We We don't help someone out because we are fearful that if we do, we won't have enough. Or they'll become a leech and they'll, they'll ask for more and more and bleed us. The same is true when we delay in helping someone. Now, planning evil against your neighbor, in essence, makes your neighbor pay it's it's the opposite of hospitality where you pay right hospitality costs you something it's a refusal to do the thing god has called you and equipped you to do you see jesus has equipped every believer with the ability to be generous and he did this through his generosity to us 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, Though he, Jesus, was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus is rich in the sense that he is God, yet he did not count that as a factor. When considering us, but instead gave His everything, His life, His relationship with the Father. He gave everything in order that you might gain His riches through Him. What generosity? It is that generosity that drives us toward generosity to others and that just doesn't mean with with our money it's it's with our time it's with our power it's with our ability if if we could take offense we don't take offense because it's in our power not to take offense that's being generous And this, this also extends beyond those who are, who are nice to us or dwell beside us peacefully. It extends to those who have treated us poorly or improperly. God, God is generous, even toward us when we treated him and others improperly. So let's not live as though he's not. And once again, the cross brings us in that direction. The last fear is found in verses 30 and 31. Do not be content with a man for no reason, when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man and do not choose, sorry, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. This is the fear that God is not just. The fear that God is not just. And you might be thinking that you can't relate to verse 30. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. The only time we contend with someone is because we feel that there has been a harm against us. But I think I can prove that you have done verse 30, or at least more of you. I know I have. Have you ever talked harshly with a customer service rep on the phone? All right, even if their company has wronged us, we tend to contend with them as if they did it personally. It's the whole guilty by association thing. Verse 31 reminds us that it is easy to envy the life of the violent or the wrongdoer, because it often seems like they get ahead in life through their tactics, and we can lag behind. They they pay under the table so they can get a better price. They... They lie on their customs forms so they can save money at the airport. They use all sorts of deception to gain. It's easy to envy the wrongdoer because their ways can make them get rich and get them out of problems. And this envy stems from a fear that God is not just. God is just, and that is why Jesus had to go to the cross. God could not sweep our evil under the carpet as a just God. Justice had to be served, and Jesus took our place of condemnation so that all those who are in Christ can be innocent before the throne of God above When we see the prosperity of the wicked, we must remember that justice is coming. If, if, not, if not soon, then definitely later. And because of that, they are on a slippery slope. They are not to be envied. They are to be pitied and prayed for. So, letting the Lord be your corrector and confidence will bring you wisdom. It is this wisdom that we need in God's world to prosper, but we have to hold on to it tightly because the world tries to snatch it away. The solution is not to remember all these do-nots. They're helpful, but the solution is to hold on to Jesus, because only he delivers us from the curse, the scorn, the disgrace of life. And he brings us to a life of blessing, favor, and honor. And that is why he is the greatest treasure even if we have to give up everything else. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your words of wisdom to us. And thank you that Jesus and his cross clearly help us stay on the path that you intend for us as believers. I pray, Father, that that those who have been perhaps convicted by the path of folly would repent. Thank You that Your patience is long and You give time to repent. But Lord, today is that day that we need to turn from the things that entangle us and that keep us away from you. May we confess you as Lord and Savior, and may we live in that life of blessing, life of honor, life of delight. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.